Welcome to another episode of Self-Help Witch, the podcast dedicated to supporting your self-development and spiritual growth. I'm Dana. I'm an astrologer, teacher, and mystical explorer on a quest to create community for women who are tired of people-pleasing and playing by everyone else's rules. Join me as we explore the magical and mundane approaches to embracing your authentic self, stepping into your power, and living a meaningful life, whatever that means to you. Welcome. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dana, and we are here with another episode of Self-Help Witch. I'm so excited for today's episode because we're talking with Ari Moshe Wolf, who is an evolutionary astrologer, and this is a an astrological paradigm that we haven't really explored here on Self-Help Witch. Now, this kind of begs the question, oh, there's more than one paradigm in astrology. I think that this is so important to recognize because when you hear as a student of astrology, you know, whether you're just getting started or not, when you hear astrologers talking about astrology, they usually do so in a really definitive way. Like this is what the sun means. This is what your ninth house means. And the truth is there are many different philosophies and paradigms within the huge thousands-year-old, tens of thousands-year-old field of astrology, and many of them are relatively new. So that's important to know because I think sometimes, especially when we're learning, we get really hung up on the right way to do astrology. And of course, people have really strong opinions about the right way. But from my point of view, I think that it's really useful to be aware of what all of the paradigms are. Because then you can figure out what resonates for you. How are you going to know if you don't ever explore these other ways? Or if you don't even know that there are multiple ways of approaching astrology, right? So evolutionary astrology is a paradigm that I have not studied super deeply. But I will say it was one of the first different paradigms that I became aware of in my early studies of astrology. So I was actually in Astrology Hub, you know, maybe three years ago, and I wanted to join that community because, one, I wanted to learn about astrology, and two, I wanted to be surrounded by people who also were curious about astrology and get a lot of different takes. But I had no idea how varied the philosophical approaches to astrology were until I was in this community. So Ari, who we're talking to today, was one of the first teachers that I encountered in my time at Astrology Hub. And I was really struck by, one, the way he articulates things I found really compelling. And kind of along those same lines, the way he thinks about the natal chart as a whole, it's all rooted in evolutionary astrology because that is what he practices. But I found it very fascinating I found it really helpful and really useful the way that he understood it and was therefore able to explain it. So I'm so excited that he's here to share his philosophy and his approach with us today. We are going to talk about Pluto squaring the nodes because that is a transit coming up that 
from his point of view and now, you know, hearing him talk about it is a pretty big deal this year. It's a pretty transformative moment in the year. But leading up to that, we're also going to really dig into what is evolutionary astrology? How does it differ from maybe other paradigms and why it can be a useful tool in your spiritual development toolkit? Now, evolutionary astrology is certainly um, different than maybe like the perspective that I've shared in the sense that it treats the individual components of the chart in a very unique way. Like the way you're going to hear Ari talking about Pluto is very unique to evolutionary astrology. But what I sound for myself is even though that's not my primary paradigm, Thinking about Pluto from that point of view in my birth chart did give me some really interesting insight. So what I want to really like drive home here is you don't have to pick a single paradigm to, to stick with, right? You can dip your toes in all the different ways to look at your chart because ultimately, and I say this all the time and I'm going to say it again, astrology is a divination practice. It's a practice of communicating with spirit. Whether that is your spirit, whether that is a different conceptualization of spirit as you think of consciousness, oneness, source, you are communicating with some kind of spiritual force. And with that, any means to engage in that communication is going to garner some kind of insight for you if it feels authentic to you, if it resonates for you. So I think it's worth it to study these different paradigms because ultimately it's just another avenue to get to the same place. There's really no right or wrong here. I mean, unless you're like just making things up, right? Like I guess that could technically be wrong, but the way that Ari explains this paradigm, it was very resonant for me. And I know that it will really gives a lot of us, it will give us a lot to think about that maybe we hadn't considered before. So I'm so excited for you to hear his point of view. Now, Ari is also launching some programs within the next two weeks. He's got his essentials course in evolutionary astrology, which is part of a year-long study program. I have that linked in the show notes if you want to take a look and study really deeply with him. He's also going to talk more about the program himself at the end of the episode. You can save $50 if you use the code Dana. And full disclosure, that is an affiliate link, so I will also get $50. But if you're curious about evolutionary astrology and you want to kind of dig in and really learn from someone who's been doing this for 20 years, you can um, use that code and save yourself 50 bucks. So with that, I hope that all of you are having a fantastic February. I am about to give birth to a baby. I cannot believe it. My due date is in three days on Wednesday. It's Sunday as I record this intro. So I will be talking to you all after I have a baby, which is absolutely wild. But thank you all so much for being here. Be sure to let me know what you thought of the episode. If you love it, please rate, review, subscribe, all the things, all the shit, do it all. <laughs> Share it with your friends for real. That would be like the best thing you could do if you really like the show and you know someone who could benefit. Please, please share. My hope, my greatest hope is that this 
podcast and YouTube channel can just be a uh, beacon of inspiration and hope for people going through uh, a time of deep self-awareness and self-discovery, which, as you know, because you're here, can feel like a lot. So thank you for your continued support. And let's get into the discussion with Ari. Well, Ari, welcome to Self-Help Witch. I'm curious, what are your sun, moon, and rising? Okay, Sagittarius sun, Scorpio moon, and Virgo rising. It's a very serious combination. Oh, yeah. I mean, just reminds me to lighten up a little bit. The, the Virgo and the Sag is an interesting combination, right? Because the Virgo is, you know, very self-analytical, self-aware, meticulous. And it squares all of my Sagittarius. And Sag is, you know, spontaneous. It's generalized. It's just intuitive. It gets a sense of things. And so there's always this push-pull between this, like, impulse towards precision and this, like, internal orientation to just, like, do it, just to move forward, just to be spontaneous and not think about it until the moment. Having that kind of square in your chart, I have that as well, but with Gemini and Pisces. And oh, yeah, yeah. it's very, you know, people talk about squares in such a way that it makes it seem like a curse if you have them. But I really love that about my chart. Like, the more that I study my chart, the more I'm like, I think the square has helped me so much. Just to totally. grow and, and put myself in new situations. Yeah, I mean, that's what squares are about. They, they are about growth. So, I mean, Virgo, Sag, obviously that says there's a way to be authentic and spontaneous and in the moment, but also with integrity, right? That's the teaching. Mm. That square is a learning to actually pay attention to the details and not to overstep them. And, you know, can I, can I speak to Pisces Gemini in general as well, right? That square says there are potentially infinite number of things to talk about or to think about. Yeah. Life can be categorized and mapped and, and information is everywhere. And the square says it has to have greater meaning and purpose. Right? Otherwise, there's no ground and the mind can go anywhere. But Pisces is all about love and healing and forgiveness and purpose with a capital P. So it gives the mind meaning, which on its own, the mind can't create. Logic can be directed towards anything. I can't wait to listen to this later and just really let that sink in because that really spoke to me. This is kind of actually a great segue into why I wanted to have you on as a guest because I think your perspective is so fascinating and helpful. When I first was exploring astrology, evolutionary astrology was one of the first, I guess, philosophies we could say that I was intrigued by. And that was because of your explanation of it. You're my first evolutionary guest. So I would love if you could give the listeners sort of what makes evolutionary astrology distinct from other types of approaches. Sure. <clears throat> well, I think also at this point, the, um, the perspective of evolutionary astrology, I'll call it EA, has become so integrated and so well known in the way that just so many people at this day and age already seem to be encompassing an evolutionary perspective. Like we're thinking of things in a deeper way. So there, there is a, a quality to this paradigm and it's very specific, but I also want to acknowledge, I think a lot of this understanding is becoming more and more integrated in how people think of astrology. And I do credit that significantly to Jeff Green and EA that really brought these things first. Back in the late seventies, one of the first paradigms that brought forth a truly spiritual soul-focused lens of astrology 
it existed, but it, it really was one of the first to put it out there in this way. So the core of this work is looking at the chart as a map that reflects the underlying evolutionary and karmic intentions and realities of the soul. So you can think of the life that we're living, your body, the circumstances, every facet of our life as having meaning and purpose in the sense that it's not random. Nothing in our life has, you know, it's like arbitrary or that, oh yeah, that's just my nose or that's just where my planet Mercury is. And everything's relevant. And it's relevant from the point of view of this entire earth experience can be thought of as a big soul school. And from that point of view, we're here to evolve. We're here to wake up and to remember what we are. And I think that's a very gradual process. It's a chipping away process at identity at who we have come to believe ourselves to be. And the perspective that I take, which to me is a deeply healing and compassionate perspective, is that everything in our life ultimately on its highest level of understanding serves the same purpose. Everything serves to support our own evolutionary work. And it's not always easy. It's not always a, an easy learning. And the, the context, the template of our learning takes 10,000 different forms. But the learning curriculum kind of is the same, right? Its shape and its contours are different, but it's the same at the core for every single soul. So we look at the needle chart as mapping that. And it basically says, where are you coming from? You can think of this lifetime as a chapter in a large book, many, 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 many chapters of the soul journey. And the creation of this life, of this chapter, exists within the context of where we've come before. And it's all within an evolutionary context, meaning every condition that's created in each life is relevant to this whole ongoing evolutionary needs. And so we come into this life with certain karmic dynamics, which just says, these are the things that we're working with. These are the areas in the particular relationships and areas of life experience where our learning is happening. Just like we all have different bodies. These are the unique ways in which we're, we're unraveling the truth. And the natal chart brilliantly and beautifully reflects that. And I, I think it's one of those things where the deeper we go in understanding ourselves and cultivating a, a, a greater wisdom and understanding of this life, the deeper we can then look at astrology and apply the needle chart in that way. Because you can look at the needle chart at any level of understanding. And this is a part of when I became introduced to evolutionary astrology almost 20 years ago now. This was one of the things that really struck me, but also why I was starting to feel very disillusioned about astrology in general. It was too descriptive. Especially 20 years ago, there wasn't as much soul focus, you know, awareness as I think there is now even in the collective. It was just too prescriptive. And all the, the well-known astrology books, you know, there's at that time, this is all before social media and Instagram and Facebook as well. So you weren't bombarded with all this content. You had the, the main teachers and the books that you would buy. Tribe.net existed. I don't know if you know about Tribe.net. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I'm in my late thirties and I was like, I'm, I'm just at that generation. Like, Mostly people older than me even would know about it. It was before everything. There was like an astrology tribe that I was a part of. And it was so exciting to talk to other people and learn about astrology. And but yeah, it lacked a certain depth. And I already was awakening to understand and recognize that I am a soul. Mm -hmm. And who I am is not 
limited to or defined by my personality, my body, my likes, my dislikes, the current circumstances of my life. There's something underneath all of it. So I knew astrology was real, but I couldn't, couldn't quite find meaning in my studies. It wasn't touching me deeply enough. I also knew, like, for example, you, know, you, you read a description about a certain planet, and I understood the, the energetic of that planet and its placement. But I felt like there had to be such a broader spectrum to understanding what does that planet mean for this soul? Like mm -hmm. what, what's its individual context for this particular soul? Like it couldn't be one size fits all. Mm -hmm. So that's what evolutionary astrology provides. It's really looking at the specific soul context. So we can look at the chart and really understand for any particular soul, why are you here? Like what's the greater gift and potential and purpose of this lifetime? It points everything back to our potential for growth and, and healing, really. What you just described was a practice of coming back home to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to remember when we're talking about spiritual practices like studying your birth chart. I consider it a spiritual practice as well. I think that the healing part about it is you get to take ownership back of what your spiritual practice and journey can mean for you because it is a unique path for all of us. But I also love the way that you talked about karma just now, which, you know, is almost a... I don't know if you've heard of concept creep, but it's this idea that a word kind of loses its meaning over time because people just use it in a way where we don't really even know what this means anymore. But what I heard you say is that karma is what you're here to learn. And I think that is so important too, because when we look at our charts and we see, oh my God, all of my stuff in Gemini squares, all of my stuff in Pisces, it can feel like a personal failure almost. Like, and that's so not the point. The point is, like, what am I here to learn? I love what you're saying about words. I have Uranus in the third house. So I love looking at where we become conditioned by certain ideas that just become their own two-dimensional concepts that lack reflection. And so when I think of the word karma, I'm really looking at the unalterable template of the present moment as its birth from the conditioning of the past. And you can't change the past, meaning we can't change how we've conditioned our consciousness to create this particular moment in time. But it's from this point where we have the opportunity for self-awareness. And I actually think of the entirety of time-space experience as karma. Mm -hmm. The entirety of our physical time-space experience reflects the unique karmic parameters. And karma is cause and effect. Karma only exists in time and space. And there is a tendency to say, oh, it's my karma. And, and to not go deeper than that. Well, if it's your karma, why? And, and nothing right. is purposeful on its own. So, and this is also a good, useful understanding of Saturn. Limitations aren't meaningful on their own. Everything has a purpose. And so the key with Saturn, and we can apply this to our thinking of karma in general, is to yield to the limitations and the parameters of our human incarnation, every facet of it to really seek to understand how can I work with this? How can I learn from this? And we all get to a point where we graduate, right? No karmic condition, i.e. no condition, any condition, nothing within time and space ever will last indefinitely. 
-hmm. So it's all a matter of how are we using this life? How are we working with the conditions of our life in a way that's helpful, in a way that's useful? And that really gets at this question that I always find myself asking or wanting to talk about, which is like, what is the point of astrology? Mm -hmm. Like I grew up, I'm 33, so we're pretty close in age, I think, but it was like, horoscopes in the back of a magazine, right? It was very much about what's going to happen next. And so I think we're all sort of, maybe not those of us listening to this podcast, because we're like, we're in it now, but that's how you get started is like, what's going to happen next? And that's really not the point at all. <laughs> From my point of view of why have an astrological practice, it's to become more mindful. It's to learn about who you are in the moment, which is the only moment. It's not to worry about the future. And I think that's why evolutionary astrology is so appealing to me, because it's not just like, well, here's the context of your life. It's that, it seems to me, but it also, okay, how are you going to use that to grow? That's it. Yeah. I'm so curious because, you know, I, I've studied Hellenistic astrology, so different, but, you know, same, same basic tenets, but... It seems as though the planets are treated somewhat differently. Specifically, I know we're going to talk about Pluto and the nodes. So are there specific planets in the evolutionary perspective, like Pluto and the nodes, that have a kind of unique or specific meaning in the evolutionary point of view? Well, it's probably similar to most other perspectives. The only thing that just makes it comprehensive in its nature is that everything points back to the soul's evolutionary journey. So we look at Pluto and everyone knows Pluto to be psychology and the shadow content and that which is underneath the surface. The way that we frame it in evolutionary astrology is Pluto corresponds to, hmm, I'll say the soul, but let me give a little more context to that because we have to ask what is the soul, right? Like the soul isn't like, like just some sort of object. The soul by its very nature, like the essence of what we are as a soul is vibratory is desire like our our very being seeks belonging seeks to unify seeks to us most in the same way that corresponds with in the modern rulership with scorpio right mm -hmm. had the function of sexual desire and attraction right the energy of feeling deeply drawn towards someone or something right that that movement towards osmosis where you know you, you can't quite get close enough that's what the soul is about and when we think of Pluto as symbolizing the soul, we can think of it as it's the desirous nature of our very being. And that desire itself, which again, think about this, the intensity of orgasm, the intensity of single focus, concentrated desire, it's desire itself that brings us into incarnation, that brings us into life experience. So we think of the soul on this evolutionary journey as generating desires to know itself. And it's wanting to have life experience. It creates human experience to have a, a, a realization of itself, to come mm. to know itself. And thus it's seeking to us most from without, seemingly from without that which it's seeking to awaken to within. And then it will exhaust these desires. And then it'll generate new ones and exhaust those. It's an ongoing process. And each time we move through this process of generating and exhausting desire, the, the very nature of our human experience shifts along with that. The, the nature of desire is a pure, concentrated 
energy. And really, that's what we are. It's like the DNA of our human life is the soul. Said differently, the DNA of our human life is desire. And it comes back down to what are the desires that I'm seeking to play out and work out. So Jeffrey Wolf Green describes this beautifully as the evolutionary journey of the soul, and we can understand this through Pluto, is an ongoing process of exhausting all desires until the only desire remaining is the desire to reunite with the source. And, and this is an ongoing cyclic process. So we don't just jump to this absolute mm. place. None of us can do that. It's impossible. And that's the point. It's like, I might have very Neptunian spiritual moments and temporarily want nothing, but then the actual soul program kicks in where I'm actually at and the content I need to face. So let's say I come into this lifetime to give a practical example. As a soul with desires for fame and recognition, right? That's going to point to an inherent creative power and beauty and magnetism that I'm seeking to know within myself. But I'm wanting to create a human life experience in order to have that. So I might, in my human experience, manifest different kinds of opportunities that will support me to become well-known and famous. I may become a famous dancer and people will see me and they'll think, oh, that's beauty. And that will fulfill me on some deep level. I will know myself. I've osmos, I've, I've joined with this quality, right? It's almost like a mandala or a vibration or a, a pure essential expression of something. And then, you know, I have some students and my students become more famous, more powerful than me. And suddenly I feel unimportant again. Again, back to Pluto, no, no desire, no manifestation of experience will serve ultimate fulfillment. We have to let go of that and then seek the next level, seek the next level. So the evolutionary process, we can really think of it as we're moving through desire. We're always either creating something new or breaking down where we've been. And that's the evolutionary program. So you can think of where is Pluto in your needle chart? Just starting with that on a very archetypal level, we have to apply it in context. But just looking at it very archetypally, Pluto by house and sign and aspects correlates to the nature of the desires of the soul, the kind of desires within the soul or the desirous nature of the soul itself, how it's archetypally expressing and intending to play out. Not all desires need to be expressed or played out, but they have to be met. That's, hmm. like, you could have a desire for like importance and fame. And, you know, if you're ignoring that, that becomes shadow. You might meet other people that will, that's the whole issue with Pluto and Scorpio, right? Abuse and being abused and abusive dynamics or, you know, being taken advantage of and where people will be taking something from us. If we're not claiming these facets of our own being, this one extreme will then show up as someone else will show up in our life and make us feel special, but in all these sort of entrapped manipulative ways. And there'll be this enmeshment and entanglement on the other extreme. If we're meeting it, and we're so attached to it, we won't want anything to get in the way mm -hmm. of what we're perceiving as necessary for our fundamental security. And thus, there's such a core insecurity because we're going to be concerned with, if they don't like me, I'm going to feel disempowered at the core of my beings. I got to make sure 
that I am powerful, that I am seen, that I am liked, that I am adored. And we can create all kinds of relationships based on that. And we do. That's the compulsive nature of the soul when it's unconscious. So meeting it consciously is at least the capacity to recognize, okay, this is here. We, we must not lie to ourselves about, we can call it our darkness, our desires. And then it's a matter of what do we do with that? It's not about not playing it out or playing it out. It's really about when we are honest with what's inside, then we're sort of beginning to engage the soul field, the, the playing field of the soul journey with a little more self-awareness. And I think there's a realm of, of spiritual evolution where we understand, okay, I'm not going to run away from this, right? I, I'm becoming aware of, oh, this is why I'm attracting these. This is why I'm so obsessed with this and this and that. We begin to unravel these deeper patterns. And as we become psychologically more aware, we then begin to make new choices. And that changes the program. Life begins to interface with us in new ways. So the Pluto work is permeating and it's fundamentally deep and it speaks to fundamental core essential changes in our very nature. I mean, it's why we have the very common analogy of the caterpillar and the butterfly. It, when you go through that chrysalis phase, which is an involutionary process, you're no longer what you were, but you haven't quite become the new. And that's evolution. It's like, you got to go through it. You can't be caterpillar forever. And sometimes we just don't have enough self-awareness to even understand what that means, but we have to go through it. We might go through it kicking and screaming. We might go through it at times a little more willingness and awareness. But I think for every single soul, there's a necessary process of being in the darkness. It has to happen that way because we, if we knew what was on the other end of our transmutation, we would be there. If we understood it already, we'd actually be there. So we have to go through that. And then the result is an essential fundamental change on the level of soul. When we evolve, we're in a different paradigm than we were prior to the evolution. And this is why when you look at a needle chart, you really can't just interpret the needle chart for someone without connecting with their soul. And we can all understand this because we have the same needle chart our entire life, but we've all been evolving. And mm -hmm. as we evolve, we're, we're experiencing a, a greater, more subtler dimension of self-awareness. Then we have to apply the chart to that level of self-knowledge. And we're also all born at different levels of consciousness. So a very important principle within evolutionary astrology, and this is important because I often find that this perspective is often lacking in most people's uses of astrology, and this is a very important dimension. Since we all come into this world at different levels of self-realization, you really, really need to get to know the soul and understand where is the soul at? What's the desire nature? Right? What's its core orientation? We have most souls on this planet that are evolving within a consensus paradigm, which simply means that their evolutionary journey and the context of evolution of their chart will be within, we can say roughly where 70% of the planet is. It's fitting into what the consensus reality says is right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's just what it is. And then we have more individuated souls and then souls that are consciously on a spiritual journey of awakening that will be framed mm -hmm. differently for everyone and you can't judge by appearances. But these reflect the inner realities of the soul. So we need to apply the chart to the soul, 
not just look at a chart and interpret it without any kind of context. It's so important. A hundred percent. The first chart reading I received, I it was not a discussion. It was a, let me tell you about your yeah, chart. Yeah. And it felt, I mean, it was very informative, <laughs> but it didn't feel helpful, really. It felt like I was learning about astrology, which is not really the point, right? I mean, yes, it's fascinating to me, but that's not what I wanted from my reading. I wanted to know myself on a deeper level. So I love that. First of all, how you describe Pluto, because the first word that always comes to mind when I think of Pluto is transformation. But the idea that it's transformation because it's constantly like magnetizing you to the things that you came here to experience and that helps you evolve. Like that makes so much sense. And it also makes Pluto seem less frightening, <laughs> right? Uranus is opposing my natal Pluto right now. And it has oh, been. Oh yeah, for... that was a. <sighs> yeah. And so I, I was, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little worried. I was worried, right? Because of the way we just talk about Pluto, but truly it's just like any other transit. I'm like, Nothing's happening that wasn't going to happen. So there's no need to be afraid. And there's always something to learn. So it just seems like the more we talk about like what evolutionary astrology is helping us do, it's helping us learn, it's helping us grow. And there's never anything to be afraid of there. Yeah. That's the ultimate practice. There's a teaching. I, I study A Course in Miracles. And one of the lessons of A Course in Miracles is there is nothing to fear. And that's a powerful thing to think of. And of course, I mean, applying that in the midst of what is fearful or, or scary or uncomfortable, I think is where some of the deeper growth is. The, the Pluto experience is being faced with what's so uncomfortable because we haven't been here yet. We haven't come to yeah. know ourselves this deeply and to recognize simultaneously that this is the edge of my soul growth. And you know, um, I would use transmutation. I think transmutation is, is the better word because transform is nice. But when I hear the word transmute, I'm thinking like, like a mutation is on the level of DNA. Yeah. Right? It, 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 to me, it runs deeper. It's like, per me, it's like, if I'm going to transmute something, you know, you're not going back. It's just, there's something about it that just like, that feels like the, the permeating quality of Pluto. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And thinking back to my Pluto transits that I've had, yeah, I would say changed forever <laughs> would be how I'd describe those. The intensity of, of Pluto transits, it brings up all the things that we don't want to look at. Yep. Yeah, it, it just brings up all the content we don't want to see. If it's a transit to Pluto or Pluto transiting something, these are evolutionary transitions. I often find that going through a Pluto transit, after the transit, usually where we really begin to kind of harvest the self-awareness takes some time usually because there might be such essential changes happening and we all tend to be in some level of resistance to change. So Jeff Green yeah. teaches with Pluto and this is a fundamental and very useful perspective. When it comes down to it, we have two choices in terms of our evolution to cooperate or resist evolutionary yeah. necessity. And I really love that because we think in life that there are a lot of choices. I mean, I, I made a choice earlier today about eating cashews or pecans. 
and throughout the day and just making so many different choices. And so on the level of Mars, Mars is sort of how we're consciously responding to life experiences. It's how we're navigating the terrain of this human experience. What am I going to, how am I going to respond? How am I going to react? We're learning to shape our actions. But these day-to-day choices happen with respect to a larger purpose. Fundamentally, underneath all of the little choices and changes that we're making, points back to what is my true intention? So our little choices, if we really cultivate as we become more and more self-aware, ultimately points back to what is my relationship to my soul? Why am I here? So I think one of the best questions we could ever ask ourselves, and sometimes one of the hardest questions is, why am I doing this? What's what's the purpose? Simple, simple question, but actually I find very hard to answer honestly sometimes. Well, absolutely, because no one's completely self-aware 100% of the time. And it's hard to be honest because sometimes we are selfish or we, whatever, like there's something driving us that's not entirely what we'd like to admit, right? So it takes a lot of courage to come back to that. Um, So I I think no one is entirely honest with themselves all the time, but it's a practice. And if we keep trying, that's really all we can do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk to us about the nodes a little bit, because my understanding is that the nodes have a, a very different or a very specific purpose in the evolutionary perspective as well. Sure. So you can think of the nodes now that we've established an understanding of Pluto, simply the nodes of the moon in particular, symbolize the human life that the soul is creating. You can think of the nodes as the vehicle that the soul is driving to have this human experience without a human identity, without a focusing of self-concept that mm-hmm. says, okay, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm identified with. It's so personal. This is what I want to do. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. So the South Node corresponds to the familiar context of self-identity. One of my first teachers, Adam Gainsburg, brilliantly described it as the pattern of identity making. Just love that. Mm. As a soul, it's the pattern of identity making. It's who we've been, how we've known ourselves. But again, nothing exists in a vacuum. The ego construct, the self-identity is a satellite to the soul. It doesn't exist on its own. So the south node has context. The south node you can think of as this is how the soul has been playing out the desires within itself. Pluto through the lens of the south node in our needle chart provides a a fundamental evolutionary context. What are the core desire dynamics within the soul? And how has the soul created a human life experience to play that out? What kind of human identity? So within the South Node, coming into this life, regardless of the family you came into, doesn't matter what kind of early life conditioning you had, 
as a soul, we have emotional imprinting and memories of the past. We don't come from nowhere. We all come into this life with the memory of having walked a certain walk, having mm -hmm. had certain experiences that have shaped our understanding of self. This all points to how we have, as a soul, have been playing the soul evolutionary journey. And then that sets the stage for this lifetime. The moon placement is the current life point of integration between the past and the future. So mm -hmm. That is the emotional imprinting of this lifetime. It is how we are assimilating new experiences moment to moment in order to inform a sense of self. We cannot apprehend too much at once. No one can. It's too much. It's insecure. So we're always sort of keeping one foot in the past. Well, in the way that we're able to opening up to new experiences, allowing it to inform us. As we evolve, we embrace the North node, which is always opposite the South node. So it's always going to represent archetypally, and there are exceptions to this, but in general, it's the opposite of what is known safe and familiar. Mm -hmm. it's, it's where we haven't been. So from an evolutionary perspective, if we've been walking a certain human life in order to play out our desires, the very opposite of that human life that we are familiar with will be the most threatening thing to the soul because it's going to threaten how it's gotten what it's wanted. It's kind of more than gotten, right? But it's not always about getting, it's about what we're familiar with. We can be familiar with a disempowered state of being, but find that we're safer there. We feel more secure there. So the North Node is always going to shake us out of our resistance patterns. And thus it, it, it affects evolution relative to the core evolutionary intentions of Pluto itself. So Pluto is, these are the, the energetic dynamics within the soul, the desires of the soul that have been playing out. And in this lifetime, Pluto also symbolizes Thus, this is where we're going to keep on evolving. This is where the ongoing caterpillar butterfly process is happening. And you can really think of the north node of the moon as a vehicle for that. That makes so much sense. How do you think, because I know we're talking about Pluto squaring the nodes in 2023. Yes. Talk to us about that because I'm so curious <laughs> how you think that's going to show up for us. It is such a powerful transit you know we're at the end of january right now and we're in it pluto is already approaching an orb to the nodes i think just about now it's just about 11 degree orb right so it's it, it's moving into that square it's only going to be tightening once pluto enters aquarius it'll be very tightly square in the nodes. The exact square will happen when Pluto retrogrades back into Capricorn. Think in June or July at 29 degrees cardinal. So the nodes will have moved backwards. Nodes, their natural motion is, is retrograde. So they'll have moved from Taurus Scorpio to Aries Libra. Just to set the stage, we have Pluto at 29 degrees Capricorn, squaring the nodes at 29 Libra Aries. And Pluto is retrograde at the very end of its Pluto and Capricorn time. So just those pieces alone feel potent. It's everything about that's very culminative, very profound. Mm -hmm. Almost like it's, 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 a, it's a very essential hurrah before this transition into Aquarius. Let's tune into the relationship between Pluto and the nodes when Pluto is squaring the nodes in general. In fact, Let's make this a little bit simpler and just understand for everyone, when, when a planet squares the nodes, what does that mean? 
because a lot of people listening, I understand a lot of people listening are, are very familiar with their charts. So many people listening will have a planet squaring their nodes. In transit all the time, a planet will square the nodes and you can square on either side, right? This is an important evolutionary juncture. When a planet squares the nodes, it speaks to where the soul is um, really at a crisis point where the intention is to really integrate the entire nodal axis. So I should clarify, you're never leaving behind the south node. You're just mm -hmm. not attaching to it. You're always integrating the entire nodal axis. There are many, many instances, and this is one of them, where a soul might be familiar with the north node. Another example is when a planet is on the north node. If you're born with a planet on the north node, that is a very strong indication that you are karmically also very familiar with that north node identity. When a planet squares the nodal axis, it means the soul's been flip-flopping between both nodes, moving back and forth with this core planet in the middle, symbolizing an underlying unresolved dynamic within consciousness. And the flip-flopping back and forth is an ongoing process of being stuck in some kind of duality. There can be many reasons why this flip-flop process occurs, but Jeff Green describes it very brilliantly as a skip step. Mm. Like when we try to skip ahead, but we don't complete a certain process. So there's a need when a planet squares the nodes to really understand what is the work that we need to sort of come back to and resolve first in order to continue with our evolution. It can really feel like we're stuck and there's like some sort of unresolved crisis or tension or impasse that we can't quite get out of until the adequate wisdom or understanding is developed. That's the general meaning. And you would look at the particular planet involved, the nature of that nodal axis, um, the rulers of the nodes and aspects of all of the above to really understand and unpack what is the nature of this skip step. Pluto squaring the nodes is a very powerful statement in regards to one's relationship to the evolutionary necessity of this human life experience in the first place. It points to an underlying crisis in cooperation versus resistance. There's a core need to integrate and do the Pluto work and the soul in this lifetime is going to be facing that very strongly. So let's say natally we have Pluto squaring the nodes there's going to be a very strong focus on doing the Pluto work. And until that is understood, there's going to be that confusion between the nodal axis. And just to give an example, right? Since we're looking at Aries Libra, what does it look like to be confused or bound by those polarities? Well, we can get enmeshed and entangled in relationship. And suddenly we feel stifled or we're just compromising all the time. And we ping pong to the other end of Aries, which is I need to be alone do it my way, make my own decisions. And then what happens, we're lonely. We lack perspective. We're too instinctive and we're not really integrating useful feedback. And we feel like we need to get back into relationship. And so we go to the other end, but then we get too stuck in it. That's one expression of getting stuck in the Aries Libra polarity. The other can be you get into relationship and you're trying to assert your will all the time. You're not really listening. <laughs> And then, you know, I'll just do it by myself. And then you get into accidents and you're drawn back into court cases or relationships or confrontations with others. And you have to learn how to integrate. There can be many ways in which the soul will find themselves stuck between these polarities. Working with Pluto and Capricorn square in the nodes means we're really going to be doing this deeper soul work in unraveling our conditioning 
where we've sold our soul, mm. where we've given our power away and our agency, because the soul is, has agency. It's interesting that I, as I keep on looking at this, the human identity has no agency because it doesn't exist. It's a satellite to the soul, which is what we are. Right. So there's no free will on the level of human identity, but there is free will on the level of soul. And that free will or that freedom is really to choose, we can say the truth or not, to evolve or not. And it's one of those things that I just, you know, the, the deeper I look at it, the more profound and, and beautiful and almost inexpressible it is. It's something we're all learning as we find our own capacity for choice. But this is where Pluto in Capricorn is, where have we given ourselves to structure, to form, to judgment, to social conditioning, to social constructs that we're trying to fit into? And how does that express within the nodal dynamic of Aries Libra? So for everyone collectively, we're really being called upon to clean up our act, get really honest and take full responsibility for constructing a life or how we're living as human beings, the agreements, the constructs, the contracts, the forms of relationship that we choose and create are in resonance with our own soul evolution. And where there is either two dynamics can really show up here. The entrapment of getting stuck in agreements and relationships. So South Node and Libra will speak to the need to relive and replay and resolve all these Libra people-pleasing dynamics. Who do you want me to be? So what's that square between Capricorn and Libra? The square is we have the social judgments. Men are this, women are this, or this is what a relationship looks like, or these are the white, right ways to behave, or this is how to do business, this is the right way to act. Judgment. And then we have Libra, personal relative relationships that involve listening, where listening can actually be stifled by the need to fit in or to be accepted or pleasing or approved of. Likewise, where we can project our own judgments or internalize the judgments of others and then become stifled in relationship. What's the growth? Allowing all relationships to become a process of cultivating true intimacy. But in this case, this would really mean embracing the Aries North Node, which says, I might not be pleasing to you. You might not like yeah. this. I might have to face my fears of, what's the deepest fear of Pluto and Capricorn? Judgment. The internalized judgments that we become so identified with that result in I need, and for anyone who has Pluto in the 10th house, you can relate to this. There can be a permeating fear of, of doing the wrong thing or being seen as doing the wrong thing. And, and even in that a guilt based on in the past, I, I, I violated natural ethics. I wasn't thoughtful and I don't want to make a mistake again. But then if we go to the extreme of not being in our agency, there's something I often find, and this is a beautiful teaching from A Course in Miracles. If we deny ourselves our feelings, our darkness, what's inside, right? We're going to become depressed. If we act on it unconsciously, we'll feel guilt. We will feel guilt. Right. So again, it, it comes back to the Pluto teaching. We have to meet this content, but really seek to become self-aware. And this might mean things don't look the way we wanted them because we're so addicted to and attached to approval or other people's opinions. That's one dimension of it. And more broadly, this Pluto and Capricorn square in the nodes really says it's time to really bring forth our soul agency, our wholeness, our freedom into all of our relationships. And putting our soul first and letting go of the rest. 
It sounds so liberating to me because when we're in relationships, you're talking about intimacy. True intimacy is this is who I am and all like good, bad, and ugly, right? And not being afraid, which is so much easier said than done, but not being afraid of how that's going to be received. How do you do that, though? You have to first accept yourself. So there is a lot of work to do here, it sounds like, which could sound scary to people. But my God, what a direct line to living a meaningful life. If you can be so tuned in to this is really what's authentic to me, which is to me like this is this is a huge reason why I study my chart. Like, what does that even what is my authentic nature? Right. I think that we're so programmed. We we're conditioned to follow these certain paths and norms that we all forget what's authentic to ourselves. And it's a constant practice of trying to remember. But that's not it. It's also can you stay in that? Can you embody that in relationship with other people, especially people that you care about and you want to like you and you want to connect with? There's so much work to do around that, but it sounds so, so powerful. Like we could really um, we could really change the world if just a fraction of people were willing to live in their authenticity and know what that really wow. is. Yeah, I so agree. I mean, that you said that is really feel and you get the, the the depth of what it really means for even one person to be that authentic. I think a lot of our soul programs are so deep. Most of us don't meet it entirely. And I think that's why the evolutionary journey tends to kind of be slow. Like we do recreate the same dynamics over and over, but to really meet it, I think another dimension of this square is a possible deepening of our evolutionary growth. And it can deepen our capacity for presence and intimacy, right? To really be real with one another. And I love what you're saying, what, to really accept another as they are, whatever that looks like. To not bring forth our own internalized judgments or fears and needs for approval. This might mean our life looks differently than what we thought, but we can also appreciate love is never what we think it is. Love is never the box that we put it into. Love does want to push through all the illusions, all the separation, like true unity. You know, people talk a lot about soulmates and all these different kinds of ideas of relationship. To me, I, I don't think so much about these different kinds of categorizations. I mostly think of it in terms of every relationship serves the same purpose and offers the same curriculum, the intensity of the experience and the duration of the experience will differ between like meeting someone at the grocery store for a minute versus a 40 year journey with someone, right? Like the, they're all going to take different forms, but they're all just chipping away at our belief in separation. And when we do this Pluto work, it's an elimination process. It's like facing, oh, well, I'm attached to this. I'm attached mm -hmm. to this. I'm attached to this. Let me try this thing. Okay. Do it. Go there, integrate it. Now move on. Like, we're arriving at what's at the core. And this is the relationship between Neptune and Pluto. Neptune is the truth, right? Like Neptune is love. Neptune is oneness. Neptune is unity. And when we do the Pluto work, ultimately we're moving through all of the internal psychological layers to arrive at our essential nature, which we can say that is what's always true. Neptune, that's what, that's what is. But we can't connect to that 
other than by completely going through that evolutionary process of Pluto. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That, that cycle that you've been talking about of the transmutation, that's required. <laughs> that is not something we can just skip stuff. So a powerful time, if not a confronting perhaps, but in the most necessary and worthwhile way possible, mm -hmm. it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Ari, where can people find you and work Great. with you? So my website is arimosha.com. I do personal sessions for individuals and for couples. And I also have various training programs that I'm offering throughout the year. So actually very soon, towards the end of February, I have my essentials course, which is part one of a year long training program. Anyone who is wanting to study this work deeply from the ground up, even those who are already familiar, this is a solid opportunity to study this work from the ground up. Then I have, you know, various levels of training throughout the year, including a practice course for those that are already steeped in this work. The topic that we talked about today. I have a two-hour lecture that I highly recommend, celebrity examples, lots of audience Q&A on the topic of planets that square the nodes. So all of that is available on my website. Excellent. We'll have all of that in the show notes for everybody. I could talk to you forever. This is so fascinating. Thank you so much for your time and your brilliance and sharing all of your thoughts. I so enjoyed us. it. Thank you so much for having me here, Dana. All right, y'all. That is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out Ari and his work. If you love the episode, like it, subscribe, rate, review, share it with your people. And I would love, love, love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at selfhelpwitch. You can shoot me an email, Dana at selfhelpwitch.com. In the meantime, I'm thinking of you. I love you. Keep going. And I'll see you all next time.